I'm not your husband. I'm another version of him from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you serious? It's showtime. It's another week on the Mad About Movies podcast. We're digging through 2022. Lots of movies on the horizon. Lots of things to talk about. We've got a special VIP throwback episode this week. The Bernie, which is celebrating 10 years, guys. Can't believe it. Remember when it came out. Remember talking about it with you fellas on the pod. Didn't do an episode on it, but we're doing it now. Richard Linklater's Bernie's the throwback of the week in the VIP. So if you're not a VIP subscriber, you enjoyed that one. Become one this week. We've also got an AMA and Ask Us Anything episode, which our lovely Discord and VIPs over at our VIP page have sent us, have sent us their questions, and we're going to answer them. Anything goes in those episodes. It's going to be a great time. So welcome in to another week here on the main feed, though. I'm Kent, joined by uh, Richard and Brian. And Brian had an eventful weekend with a kid who broke his arm, so that's always fun. He was yeah, trying to emulate wanna, Sonic, I guess, Brian's after kid. Sonic 2. <laughs> not Brian's kid. Brian just beat yeah. up a kid. Had it coming, you know. Don't uh, don't try to talk about Greece to me, kid. Uh, that's <laughs> these are the rules. I'm very I'm very serious about it. Yeah, Coop got, got too excited about Sonic. He got skills. They're multiplying. <laughs> he was trying to <laughs> roll down the hill, all off Sonic style. He was trying to get his supersonic speed going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? I know he fell down a hill. What happened? Yeah, we just after church on Sunday, we went to uh, there's this, this like group of restaurants that we go to sometimes with friends because it has like Hooters, Twin belt. Peaks, gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah, and t- uh, Tilted Kilt, all right. <laughs> Chili's is right by Red Lobster, which is right by <laughs> yeah, Applebee's. Yeah. It's great. And R.I.P. that Chili's. Um, the yeah, the we, we this is like kind of green belt sort of place, and yeah, we were just eating, and then he comes up and was like. Crying, but not like you know, out of control crying. But it's like I, 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 I think he he got his foot caught in a hole and and rolled, fell down, rolled down the hill, and so it's one of those things where it's like it, it's a tough thing parenting wise because you're like, are you know, are you are you hurt or are you yeah. you know, are you just kind of upset because you fell down in front of your friends, like. What do we do here? Anyway, I ended up taking him to get x-rays and they were like, no, I think he's okay. And sent us home. And then on the way home, they gave us a sling just like, just in case. And on the way home, they called and was like, actually, radiologist just came in and said, probably is broken. So anyway, we had x-rays again today with an orthopedist. He's got a fracture in his elbow. And mm. so he's in a cast up to, you know, above the elbow for four weeks or whatever. And, uh, 
What if the tendon sealed too tight, dude? You could have a pitcher on your hands. <laughs> that's the hope. Is it the that's left the arm? Hope. It's yeah. the left arm. It is. There you go. That's, that is. Yeah. That's even nicer, man. Yeah, you exactly. He doesn't even have to get it to 107. He can. Right. He can get a contract a solid at 93. He's yeah, he throws yeah. 93 lefty. He's got a. He's a pro <laughs> contract. So. So that's what I asked. I was like, can you just like tighten that, that cast up a little bit so we can, so now I got to deal with the CPS investigation, but, uh, you know, it, he'll, he'll thank me when he has a 20 year career as a reliever, you know, so. mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, thank, yeah. If you could teach him to throw, uh, like a knuckleball, a consistent knuckleball with his right arm, he'll <laughs> fulfill my dream of the, of the guy that can the throw gas lefty pitching? or good yeah. knuckler righty, depending on the situation <laughs> and could pitch. Could be two of your five starters. Uh-huh. That would be so sick. That would be pretty cool. Do you get to do you get to have two uh, two gloves on the mound with you, or do they bring out the glove you need? Whenever? It's a glove that flips. Oh, okay. Now we're talking. I like it. It's, I like I've it. been thinking this up since I was about four. It's proprietary. <laughs> there was a guy that kind of did it, but I think it'd be so cool if you were a knuckler with your off arm. Mm-hmm. That really ties it. <laughs> you yeah, know, all in Nolan Ryan in from the front, Tim Wakefield in the back is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I was around his age when this happened. That happened to me. I broke my arm, but I feel like every person needs to break a bone <laughs> in their body at some yeah. point just to feel the pain, yeah. so that when it happens to somebody else, they can sympathize with it because yeah. it's a pain unlike anything else. It's like when it happened to me, I was like, no, it's definitely broken. I was just telling my parents when we went to yeah. the, you know, went to the hospital, did the whole thing, and I. Hey, I was just like, we were already making plans as if it was broken before we even knew it was. Cause like, yeah, no, I can tell yeah, you right now totally. it's broken. The pain is, is so right. intense. Yeah, It's, it's a just... different, it's a different thing. I I've had lots of injuries, usually basketball, playing basketball or whatever. But the worst I've ever had was a, um, and it ended up being like within five days I was fine. Um, but it was like a, basically a dislocated elbow. Like I came down with my arms out, which you're not supposed to do, but it was like bang, bang kind of thing. And I thought, I mean, it was the worst pain I've ever been in. I literally thought like I wouldn't, this was like five years ago. Like this was not, not that long ago, but I, I thought for sure when I opened my eyes and my bone was going to be sticking out of my arm. Like it was that kind of, of pain. And then like four or five days later, I was like, yeah, I'm totally fine. Like I played basketball like maybe 10 days later. I was like, that's, it's, it's okay. I felt like kind of a weenie, but you know, it was it was excruciating in the moment. I had so many um, food allergies when I was a baby that all I could have was goat milk, <laughs> and then I was a big milk guy until yeah, literally no food until I was like three, just goat milk. And so I cracked a rib once. Brian was there, I think, in my twenties, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I that's it. Sorry about that. You should never have that that give and go. And I oh, that was I stopped drinking milk at about six. But I've never had a cavity, and I've never broken a bone other than that. So I've had a bunch of other stuff, but I'm yeah. I've, I'm still riding, riding strong. Yeah, yeah. but it'll happen. Yeah. It's crazy. I've never had a cast. This is the first time. Like I've I've always had soft casts or like you know yeah. uh, mobile casts or whatever. This is the first time I've I've had to deal with you know the itching that is going to come and the he's a sweaty kid so the sweat, i mean it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty pretty brutal but he's fortunately cooper is like super chill i mean you guys have been around him a little bit he's yeah. he's he's super mellow he's kind of go with the flow kind of kid um and he's not like over the top active so keeping him <clears throat> from being 
you know, from, from re-injuring it probably is not going to be that big of a deal compared to a lot of kids his age. So we're very lucky on that front. It's just, you know, it's not fun to deal with this kind of crap. When you, you know, these are the learning experiences you have though, when you're a youth, you know, you go see Sonic, <laughs> you try to emulate an animated character and you learn yeah. your lesson, yeah. you know, you yeah. can't do those. Right. <laughs> it doesn't right. work that way in yeah. life. You can't be Sonic. You can't marry yeah. Jasmine. You know, it's, it's I made that mistake when I tried to be, uh, Bugs Bunny from Space Jam and I was I jumped off the trampoline and I was like, okay, yeah. I can't dunk like an animated character in a movie. Yeah. It just doesn't work. I learned my lesson. Well, we didn't do Sonic 2 uh, for the pod. Brian did see it though. I did. Yeah. Uh, you want to give us a mini review here, Brian? I, I was, let's, it was not, let's save it because there's a chance we may do it at the end of the month. Last week of the yeah. month, there's not anything coming out and, uh, you know, we may put it up to a vote and see what, uh, but it was, I texted you guys in the movie and I was like, let's just, let's, let's audible out of this. I think it's going to be a tough, a tough review. So, but I am going to try to get a review with Cooper in on the VIP at some point. In the How about you just do that? Okay. And we put that good. on the main <laughs> part of it on the main. He's really way more enthusiastic. To, I want the main feed to get a small preview <laughs> of some of the Coop episodes that we do on the VIP. Cause I think they're really awesome. And honestly, I, I think they're great. Uh, Brian does them with his with his kid, and they go see movies, and his kid gives his honest thoughts on the them. The Nymphomaniac it's, it's, Part One one was a little boring. Yeah, but he, the Large Von Trier trilogy y'all did was. But was a Nymphomaniac intense, Part but, Two, he was better. He had better thoughts on. I thought. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he understood the vibe a little better. Yeah, he knew what he was in for. Mm, yeah, right. He is the only cinemaphile in his preschool, though. So it is. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Wears a film spotting shirt every day. <laughs> he goes Disney to Plus Sean is cool, but you guys have Halloween. Criterion Channel or no? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, Filmstruck got canceled, Dad. <laughs> That'd be such a great kid bit. Uh, oh, man. Well, I suggested the episode this weekend because I saw it trending on Twitter over the weekend, it, it was like Saturday during, you know, the Masters were going on, Formula One stuff was happening, uh, you know, Premier League's popping off, and then this random A24 movie's like trending on Twitter, uh, and I'm like, huh, it's interesting, and I and I click on it, and everybody is talking about this movie, I was like, that's a, it's really random that a limited release movie at this time of year is trending on a Saturday during all this time, it's just... It's like maybe we should talk about this. Maybe maybe we need to see that go see this now and not and not put it off any longer and get into this conversation because I mean this was definitely crazy. I mean I'll start off with it with general thoughts mm. here. Uh, it's definitely something unlike anything I've never seen ever seen before. I think that's extremely obvious. I think Daniels the Daniels uh, they strive for weird. I think that's their brand is let's go as crazy as we possibly can with their own taste and style. And we'll talk about that, but it is, there is a certain level of Tarantino, Matthew Vaughn to what they do, just because when you see something that they do, the basically everything's on the table <laughs> and um, that's always exciting going into something like this, driving up here to the theater today I was like giddy because I had no idea what to expect. It's you know, sure, completely yeah, blank yeah, totally. slate. And totally. often yeah. you don't have that with, with films. You have some kind yeah. of, okay, I know what this is or 
I know, you know, the directors, yeah, I've seen, you know, the music videos and Swiss Army Man and some other stuff they've done, but it's not like they're super prolific and like have established themselves. So I think there's a little bit of ambiguity there to it uh, that's still to be determined on what they have to bring. So I'm excited about that. And so I found myself really, really stoked going into this and more excited than usual just because of the buzz and, all I saw on Twitter was like, oh, man, that was crazy as unlike anything I'd seen. So yeah. without spoilers, I went in and, and saw it, saw that there was some multiverse talk out there. And mm-hmm. I guess a, an A24 take on a multiverse, this is exactly what I would expect it to be. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And I think it brings something new and interesting to the table and I think comments on some of the stuff that's been happening thematically with films and in terms of the big franchise stuff, but also has its own heart to it and resonates on a lot of different levels. I mean, it is a lot. I mean, I can see why this wouldn't be your thing. There were aspects of it that weren't my thing. Mm. It got exhausting after a while, (laughs) but man, what a ride it was. I I gotta, gotta admit what a ride and, Certainly had way less farts than Swiss Army Man, but they made up for it with butt plugs, so that was good. We had a, that's what all all of your Rotten Tomatoes blurbs always come back to that. Yeah, plus just plus one score has a uh, plus what up up one grade if you right can. right negate flatulence with butt plugs somehow. If you've never been to a movie with Kent, he goes in with a notepad and he just takes a tally mark. For yeah. all the parts, he's, it's printed he, out. Like he has right. them made. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a dot matrix printer that he yeah. has uh, in his uh, like it a fanny is. pack. It's I print it off like a receipt, <laughs> and I give it to everybody as they leave the theater. <laughs> I'm a little. Oh, uh, but I thought the uh, the creativity was off the charts. I was just blown away at the scale of this, the undertaking. I can't. Imagine planning this thing out seemed to have been, mm-hmm. it seemed like this thing took eight years to to film and shoot and edit. I mean, with all the stuff that they have in this, all the different setups and ideas being thrown at it, it was just mm-hmm. truly impressive that it came together in a way that was somewhat digestible and not somewhat digestible, uh, you know, exceedingly digestible. It was great. It was mm-hmm. good. It was, it, it was like fun junk food. Loved it, but Brian, nice. general thoughts. I had a very similar experience. I uh, I didn't know anything about this. I knew it was, you know, v- at least vaguely related to the multiverse, which I'm I'm gonna get real tired of real soon, I'm sure. Uh, but but I knew that that was part of it. I, I knew Michelle Yeoh was in it, who's great always, and uh, and that was about it. And that was I was good with that. I was like I I when I left the house, I told Lindsay, I was like, yeah, I gotta go see this movie. She's like, what are you seeing? And I was like, something you never heard of. I don't even know what it's about, but you know, here, here I go. And it was cool. It was cool to be able to see a movie like that. Doesn't happen a lot in the year, especially for us. Um, you know, some of that I could probably change by not seeing trailers and in and all this for stuff. But some of it is just like, it's just it's too difficult to avoid uh, in the conversation. If you if to be to be even sort of informed means to be at least half informed on most movies that come out anymore. And that's, that's just kind of part of the job, I guess. But, um, it was cool. 
it's cool to be able to go in and be like, I don't have any clue what's what's about to happen here in this one at all. I'm glad I didn't know who the directors were. Uh, Swiss Army Man is one of the few movies in my life that I've ever just been like, you know what? Actually, no, and just turned off and not not stuck with. Uh, oh, I saw that Man. one in the theater, so I didn't have yeah. that luxury. <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah. That was one of those where I was like, I'm not even saying it's bad. I'm just saying right now I can tell. With ten minutes in, I can tell you this is not for me. And for me to just dunk on it when it so clearly is not for me just feels um, wrong uh, for a movie that probably costs a million dollars to make and all that sort of stuff. Like, I'll happily do it on a blockbuster, but I don't know. It was a... uh, I was out. If I'd known that they were the directors, I may have had some different uh, expectations going in, but I didn't. I didn't know anything really coming in. Um, And I'm I'm totally with you, Kent. There were moments where I was like this is crossing the art house threshold that I'm willing to deal with kind of thing, uh, or willing to enjoy at least, um, or able to enjoy. And then pretty much every time the movie walked up to that line, uh, it, it, it brought itself back and got into stuff that I, I really enjoyed. And so, I mean, I loved this. I I thought I was, I was very surprised by, um, by how it played out. I thought that the, I loved all the themes down the stretch. I thought it was very, um, emotionally relevant, but in a really super organic way. And, and not, I, I mean, not really emotional terrorism. And I, I dug that too. So I thought this was a great movie and, um, it's 100%. Like I was texting a buddy, uh, Brian, who, uh, who listens to the show. He was coming out of ambulance around the time that I was coming out of this. And I was like, do not see. I'm going to recommend because he listens to the show and I was like, hey, I'm going to give this a really good review. Um, I would not recommend it for you. Like this is not going to be a for everyone kind of movie. But if you I mean, if it is for you, gosh, it's good. I, I really I really dug this quite a bit. So I know I've been going on. on. So RB, what was your what are your general thoughts? What, were, what was your experience with this? Yeah, like uh, like you had, had seen some general buzz, had seen. um had not seen, however, who the, that it was the Swiss Army Man directors until after I saw it. Um, another movie out that I didn't. I, I remember being like intrigued by that by the trailer, and then being like, and then the the real thing. But uh, yeah, had had just seen a bunch of not even buzz around it in terms of promotional or marketing or anything, but just like true uh, virality. Um, you know, people just being like, "This blew my mind," blah blah blah. And yeah, it's a twenty four at this point. I'm I'm kind of. At least I know everything I'm going to see from them is going to be. It may or may not be my cup of tea. Most of the time it is, but if it's, it's always going to be thought provoking and interesting. And you know the, the this is like a twenty five million dollar movie, which is like very impressive that they made it for twenty five, but also, um, but also great because that's that's a great budget for a movie. Um, for for these kind of things, you can you can do a lot, but not too much with it. You, you still have to have like Kent like Kent said, you have to be really creative, and it's really incredible how this was planned out and, and built. And you know, it's a real exercise of the mind without a without probably a uh, you know a production team of nine hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know it was a multiverse related thing, so I started getting my guard up about that. But yeah, no, it, it really it worked for me too, and and I I was. It definitely, and it ends on a note where you you come out. I don't know. Your brain's kind of worrying, and it's um, it's definitely like a great 
I didn't see this with anybody, but like it would be a great conversational one on the ride home or really mm-hmm. just a movie you think about the entire ride home, which isn't always the case, especially at the quantity of which we see movies. Just like us, you know, leaving movies alone with our alone with our thoughts, driving home in <laughs> silence, you know. Just. <laughs> Hopefully everybody sees the movie and then listens to the show after they see the movie. That's uh that's always the way we, we want to play. With plan this it one out. I would say especially yes. this is this is I'll go ahead and say spoilers now, yeah, on this one. Yeah. Because I don't want to spoil anything about this one for you going forward, other than we recommend it. Mm-hmm. And you should go see it now if you haven't, because uh, you'll want to hear the rest of the episode and you won't want to be spoiled on it. We won't want us to spoil this experience for you. So I really enjoyed how it starts at a laundromat and in kind of this working class family sets it in the real world and you're kind of wondering, okay, how is this going to divulge into multiverse territory? And then it's like the dad puts on a Bluetooth headset or whatever. And, <laughs> and it just, it's such a funny commentary to me on all the multiverse stuff. And I have no idea if this was influenced by any of the Marvel stuff or if they had this idea 10 years ago for this multidimensional uh, martial arts experience or whatever they, they define it as. I don't know if this is a commentary on it, but I, if anything in this movie was a commentary on it, I thought it was so funny how, uh, I don't know what the phrase they call it, the push or the spark, or I don't know what they call it in the movie, the little thing you have to do to time travel, basically, to get to mm-hmm. regain your other identity from the other dimension. And they, it was just like, just do something you wouldn't normally do. <laughs> and like, that's all it took. So... Of all these things, it was just like a random action could take you to this other place. And I thought that was so funny because of all the ways that these studios and all the money that they spend to try to figure out how to make this multiverse stuff work in a way that's like makes sense, you know? I just thought the commentary of it doesn't have to make sense. You could literally, (laughs) you know, shove a trophy up your butt and time travel and in a movie and people will enjoy it if it's entertaining. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) they will. They literally do it in the movie. So I I just thought that was a a very funny thing. Like they, they don't overthink the multiverse aspect of it. And I think that's the point is like, look how easy we make this and, and we make it 10 times funner than these movies that you almost overthink. And I, I I thought that was really funny. And you have any thoughts on that? Anybody? Yeah, I thought, you know, it has good science from from a movie standpoint. Um, like, just the concept of, of we're going to... And I, and I thought it was really smart to just do an exposition... Do a, do a whole scene of, of, of exposition and explaining. And uh-huh. do it in an entertaining and fun way. And, like, the whole thing of, like, with the map of here's, here's the universes, here's how they're connected... We're looking for a universe that is your whatever that that is uh, you know relatively close where we can get this skill from. Okay, cool. I uh, liked like, I liked that. It's like you can I only too. you yeah. only have the abilities that your other selves would have, right? And that you there's just the, pull the from concept anything. of yeah. we're we're looking for one that's that's close to this as far as like this un- on the map goes and stuff. I thought that was it was, I mean. The the concepts of how they they bring that about with whether it's the paper cuts or right uh, you know swallow, that was hilarious and I think it was really was really I mean a, like a fun concept but also I think that works doubly because the 
the gobbledygook science of it all as far as the movie standpoint goes works really well too like it's a good it's a good enough concept and it's it's well explained in again fun like expositiony kind of explainer scenes mm-hmm. and all for that if you do it well you know Absolutely. i think i think a lot of movies the the struggle that they have is either explaining the ridiculous concept poorly or over explaining it and getting too too hung up in the kind of minutia of it and either way underdoing it or overdoing it is a mistake it's a it usually it usually results in a checkout for the audience or it's too complex or you expose yourself to to you know the audience or the critic saying this doesn't make sense and kind of pulling at the threads and all that sort of stuff and this the, i mean this movie didn't do any of that it just it set it out there it's a pretty complex concept but it sets it out there in a in a really fun and and i think limited complexity kind of way and then we're just off and we're going and that's great and yeah i i, I thought it was i thought it was a blast and a randy newman cameo so <laughs> yeah i'm here totally. for it yeah yeah he, him doing the soundtrack was was very touching it made it brought back those emotions <laughs> <laughs> i love it the multiverse the multiverse <laughs> Did you know John Mulaney said that that's his favorite comedian ever? Isn't that a weird, yeah. weird take? Randy Newman? Great, yeah. <laughs> said he's the best comedic writer of all time, Randy Newman lyrics. <laughs> Has he heard of Bruce Verlanche? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Man, but Political Science is a great record. And one of the best lines ever, though, is uh, I love L.A. with big, nasty redhead at my side. One of the best lines ever. Um, so, yeah, did you know this was initially kind of designed as a Jackie Chan film? No, I think they were no. trying very in a very Tarantino esque way. I think it was a revival um, plan, and they then they reconceived the reconceived everything around a woman. Isn't that wild? That it would it would have totally worked. I mean, I think the, the fight choreography was certainly reminiscent of that. It was interesting, you know. You make all these points about commenting on Marvel. It's like the Russo brothers produced this thing, and they're like yeah. hand to hand with it. So I think there's a little bit of tongue in cheek humor behind it, like. Let's poke fun at ourselves. Yeah. And we all. And like all satire, all, good satire. All the, yeah. Some comes from a place of love and understanding right, exactly. and, and building and a bond, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I like setting it there. And then we have this mom character, Michelle Yeoh, who's always fantastic. As she, this mother who's trying to hold her family together in several ways, and mainly being her daughter, who she knows is uh lgbt but her father doesn't know so it's this really difficult dynamic that they have to overcome there and meanwhile she goes to the multiverse and finds out that she's or her husband is divorcing her in this other universe right and so it's like once you return to that it's like trying to find out why that would be (laughs) And so she has that whole stress to deal with of her, of her, basically her entire family. There's aspects of it that she needs to sew together. So it wasn't, it wasn't super isolated story. I think there was a lot and we'll get to there, there towards the end on the overarching themes of the movie. And we'll of course touch on that towards the end. And I, there's another movie I thought it was reminiscent of, but we set it in this reality and the auditor played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who I didn't know was in the movie at all until going into this. Did you guys yeah. know she was in it? 
in a very weird way. Because yes, Brian tell, and I please tell the story, Richard. <laughs> Brian and I are huge fans of Chris Fleming, the comedian, and he had a character that went viral right at the beginning of COVID, named Sick Jan, who was an IRS inspector. Um, who is literally exactly looks exactly like this character. So everyone was accusing them of ripping that character off. Oh, they were. I think it's kind of an homage. I mean, it's so dead on that they there's no way they weren't. Yeah. Sick oh Jan wow, fans. like same hair color and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. send you yeah. a picture. If this movie was Dua Lipa. There's a lawsuit. That's, oh wow. I mean, it's, okay. It's like that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, he. I think in the interview that you sent, Richard Fleming was like, "Oh, it's it's great if they did. You know, if Jamie Lee Curtis saw that, that's incredible." But yeah, yeah if, I, I wouldn't be offended if somebody did that as long as, long as they reached out and say, hey, just so you know, we were inspired by you to do this. You know, be, oh, great. Thanks. You know, appreciate that. Yeah. As long as they're not trying to hide it or be shady about She's it. She's an H&R Block accountant in the, the sick gen. <laughs> it's about an insane H&R Block candidate, uh, accountant oh my that helps prep your taxes. So that's Chris Fleming's version. The, the, the joke, and I never thought they would come back to it. But they do. Like I already mentioned it. But the joke of I've won Auditor of the Month and then it pans over to multiple butt plug trophies was just so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. That's basically how it is. You know, it's like, and they're like rewarding people for having that attitude. Um, you know, man, tax season, by the way. Get your taxes in, folks. Just a few more days. Did it over the weekend. It was very relevant to the, to this film right here. And when we actually get some fighting, though, the dad eating the chapstick and then the fanny pack attack was amazing. One of the best fight sequences I've seen put on film in a long time. I don't know how they quite did all that. I mean, I've seen there was some CG, but the camera doesn't cut away a lot in this movie other than, you know, uh, some very fast cutting. We'll, we'll get to that. I've got some thoughts on the editing and stuff, but in terms of the fight sequences, I thought the camera work was was awesome. It was very reminiscent of the Jackie Chan movies where you don't cut away a lot. Mm-hmm. You actually show the impact of the of the hits, and it makes it that much more impactful. But the camera shots of the camera on the end of the fanny pack and, like, on the ground, I assume they just put a GoPro on the end of a fanny pack and swung it on the ground and then stabilized the footage. But that shot was so cool and so unique and inventive that, like, man... There's a, if there's enough touches like that in this movie, then I think I'll be okay, no matter how crazy this movie gets. And for me, there was. There was like once every 10 minutes, there was like a, oh, oh man, that was that was awesome kind of moment. So sure. what was the weirdest thing in this movie to you guys? I have my choice, but what was the weirdest, most like a- uh, Hot dog WTF fingers moment? was pretty weird. Hot dog hands was yeah. mine too. Yeah. yeah. I think that was- <laughs> Yeah. Stuff. Maybe Stuff everybody's top hot dog fingers, just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's pretty up there. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, pretty overused trope, honestly. Uh, hot dog fingers just constantly popping up in movies when Kinda it became sexual. It, really. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. <laughs> like sticking them in each other's mouth and stuff. It's like what's going on? <laughs> what is this? It was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a ridiculous movie. It's, it's there's a lot of stuff. Like you just, can't help I, but smile though. It's just like yeah, what, yeah. what are we I, totally, totally only in a movie a, you can do this type of right. stuff. Right. There are several things that happened through this that I was like, it reminded me a little bit of a Cohen movie in some ways, where it's like when when something happens in a Cohen Brothers movie that is so dark, 
um, like over the top dark, and yet the way it's presented, you know, is is so fun. Like, I mean, the wood chipper, you know, that's watching Fargo for the first time. It's really hard not to laugh at that that moment when you come around the corner and he's just feeding Steve Buscemi into a wood chipper because mm-hmm. just you know, just the concept of I'm trying to. I'm trying to cover up this murder by spraying blood all over the snow and stuff is really fun. It, it, so it was, I mean, th- this movie's not dark really at all, anything like that, but it was, it was the same kind of experience where for me, where it was like it, this half second where you're like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to laugh or groan or like, Oh, you know, like an, an uncomfortable so, humor. It's yeah, an uncomfortable yeah, humor. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And it, but it's mostly done very well. And, I don't know. It mixes a lot of stuff. Like I hate camp and 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 cheese, and there's a little bit of that here. And I think it mixes more like art house surreal elements rather than camp or 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 slapstick or anything like gross out humor. It's more yeah. verges on yeah. surrealism. Sure. And I mean, I'm not a I'm I'm by no means like a a kung fu movie um, expert, but th- I mean, I, I think that's a little bit of it too. It like has some of those elements of it as well that some of those movies, you know, really sort of uh, veer into to, to cheesiness or campiness or whatever. But it, so it has a lot of these different elements, but it, it for the most part, it mixes them together very well. And I, and I think that goes to, again, kind of what I said at the outset, like the strength of the movie where it, it, it does, in a lot of areas, it sort of walks up to the line in whatever we're talking about, whether it's, the, you know, the art house sensibilities or the you know like sexual jokes or uh you know kind of the the cheesiness or whatever it kind of walks up to the line of what is going to is going to push me and and maybe more than I would I would like to think the general audience is going to push the general audience out and then steps back and goes to something else like it's a really good mix on those things that shows I think like a great sense of of um we see a lot of let's put it this way we see a lot of movies where where we say like hey it might have been good to have another voice in the room here to say um actually you need to pull back here you need to edit this a little bit that kind of stuff and there's like self-editing i guess is what i'm what i'm trying to get at like they did a really it does a very good job of of i think that the daniels do of understanding where to self-edit and where to, yeah. to bring it back a little bit certainly and that's not something I picked up from the 20 minutes of Swiss Army Man that I watched. So I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think the Russos uh, deserve yeah, some there credit there sure. too. For but sure. I, I think A24, as Richard had mentioned, you certainly know what to expect when you see something branded with them. Right, as it's going right. to be, it's going to take risks. And I think they're an unconventional uh, production studio release distribution you know i know they acquire movies too don't always produce them in-house but whenever you see something that they put out you know it's gonna push the boundaries somewhere along the line and i appreciate that because there's very few independent studio houses that are like actually going to get movies seen and trending on twitter and that's one of the few and i and i just don't think like i think this has blockbuster elements to it Right. Like, I think maybe if they were committed enough, if Daniels were like, we're holding out for that $50 million Netflix check or whatever for this and make it, you know, put more money into it or whatever, who knows what it could have been. Cinematic universe of these? I don't know. But the fact that uh, they do it this way, I think there's way more creative freedom 
for them to do hot dog fingers and things like that and never mm-hmm. and not have the studio interference. And so uh, I think it goes hand in hand, you know, it's a great working relationship that they established with, I guess it was a Swiss army man and just, you know, continue that they'll keep them in the umbrella. And now, you know, safeties are the same way. It's like any of these movie ideas that they have, they can just, and Ari Aster, they just call up A24 and be like, it's going to be weird. And they're like, bring it on. I, mm-hmm. I really like that. Right. So right. I think there's a place for weird. And yeah, totally. this one totally. is, is it's like a blockbuster uh, Matthew Barney <laughs> movie. Or, uh, Matthew Barney's like this guy that, you know, does like weird, mm-hmm. basically like Museum of Modern Art <laughs> films with like a super surreal imagery. But this was is like if you made that into the Avengers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, or made that into J- Crouching Tiger, right? Mm-hmm. Without sacrificing narrative, right? Right. Yeah. Totally. You know, um, that's what's impressive about this that it has a cohesive and uh, propulsive and you know almost not necessarily traditional but traditional in some ways film narrative while exploring these little on the fringe um, surreal notes. Sometimes for comic effects, sometimes for character effects, sometimes for you know philosophic effect in terms of you know what this could really mean, um, you know when you get into multiverses and things like that, but never always as um, you know in addition to what the film is, and never at the expense of what the film should be, um, and that's that to both of your points. I mean that's. Um, I think a lot of you, if you could be that in, inventive with the sort of weirdness of it all, it can be a trap to just get stuck in the same. What could we, what weird thing could we come up with and then go to what? Okay. What's weirder than that? How do we top right. that? What's And it doesn't feel like that was the case here. It felt mm-hmm. very purposeful and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what was impressive to me. The, the one universe that Rat- Ratatouille was Rat- Raccoonie. Gosh, that was hilarious. What a funny yeah. bit. And they actually had a raccoon do like get gets taken by animal control, and the guy's like super emotional about best, it. The Randy Newman cameo <laughs> that was that was Randy Newman, baby. So good, yeah. And then and then the universe where Michelle Yeoh's basically her now, where she's this movie mm-hmm. star who was in Crazy Rich Asians and yeah. Crouching Tiger, which was a uh, obviously awesome. a, a great uh, tribute to her and her work. Mm-hmm. And wow, it looks like she's um, filming Avatar Five right now. So <laughs> we'll see that one in twenty twenty eight. Get paid, baby. Avatar Five currently Get paid. filming. <laughs> wow. I yeah, I, I thought she was great in this, and she obviously awesome. she was good yeah. in Shang Chi, uh, Star Trek. Brian, you've been watching. She's always great. I I. Uh, I tried to get our buddy Ariel to come in and do this episode with us tonight, and he just said I'd. Haven't had time to see the movie uh, and wasn't going to be able to get to it. But he said, my official comment is Michelle Yao is, is a, uh, is a queen and she deserves everything. It's like, okay, well that works for me. She's awesome. She's always great. This is a great showcase for her varied and ranged abilities and what she can do. She's awesome. And I, I thought she was, I mean, she's a huge selling point for why this movie is as successful as it is. And we're talking about, the Daniels and the Russos and the way that it's all put together and, and rightly so uh, you also have to cast like a, a, the right person in that role. And, and that person has to carry a big weight. And she was so good. In that. I mean, it's early in 2022. Yes, But like what yes. she brought 
the link she goes in, the, the training, the martial arts, the emotion. I mean, it, this is a performance that deserves recognition at the end of the year. I don't know if this movie will be relevant come next December or whatever, but good grief. This was like... In a literal calendar year when we're doing... Uma and Kill Bill times right. 10 in terms of what yeah. she brought to the table here. Like the physicality, the emotion, the mm-hmm. the energy, the the screen presence. I mean, she's just a, a, an amazing actress and uh, what a great choice to center this thing around. Yeah. And man, there's the movie takes another weird turn. And, and I did kind of see this in the marketing or maybe a poster or something where all of a sudden it cuts to rocks. <laughs> it's like this universe is, there was no life here. And that's like most universes actually. I thought that was a funny note, but like mm-hmm. the yeah. movie needed that break and it felt so good when that happens. And like, you're just sitting there reading for three to five minutes or whatever it was like, that was such a needed relief for me because it was going yes. for two hours at 115 miles per hour. <laughs> we're, and like, we're so on the same page with this. It's funny. Like, cause I, I was the scene right before that is the one that takes place in the laundromat. And, and it has this sequence where, you know, the camera goes through the whatever, every phase of her life. I, this is what, this is what I wrote in my notes. I said, <laughs> It was right before this, I said, holy crap, this editing, <laughs> which is yeah. what I wrote. Because in that one shot where it's just showed her, you know, on her face mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like 2,000 shots of her face. That's why I was thinking like the amount of setups they had to do just for the simplest things in this movie yeah. is why it's like, this must have taken yeah. so much time to do right. just to edit that right. one 30 second shot probably took two months, you know? Yeah. But it's funny because I mean that that sequence happens, and I'm I mean not kidding. I looked at my, I looked down my watch or my yes. phone, and I was just like, "All it's right, like exhausting." Been my eyes a long hurt. time. <laughs> this movie's long, and I'm fine with it. Like this movie's long, and that scene in it is. You're totally right. It's it's edited incredibly well. It looks great. It definitely felt like all right. We're about to verge into the art house territory where I'm just going to be kind of done with this. And all right. And then the rock scene is the immediate follow-up sequence. And I thought that was great. I thought, and I, I so anyway, I, I'm totally with you. I thought it was perfectly placed in the movie to give like a little bit of comedy. And also, yes, that's a very, I mean, you're not going to see that done in a Disney movie or whatever, but it, it, it was a, a, a pretty, it was a pretty accessible way to, um, to kind of, bring the the more art house elements of that to a to an to a head um and while also kind of pushing the narrative of the movie i, I don't know maybe i sound super douchey talking about it, but I, I i thought it was a gr- i just i thought it was a great sequence i thought it was was it perfectly put together right when i needed it literally right when i was like i'm i'm about to kind of check out on this and and it it re-engaged me and then i think the third the third act or whatever it is from that point is is the strongest of the movie. It's a it's a great close right from basically from that scene forward, I think. Yeah, and then we had this big fight sequence in the the library which reminded me of the Breakfast Club, <laughs> the uh entire library uh, set and everything. I don't know if it was modeled after that, but uh, or mall or whatever it was. What a, what a great sequence of her fighting all the enemies that she's come across throughout the film and then remembering these things to use against them. <laughs> was really fun. And then we have this 
it's, uh, I don't know, epilogue at the end where you're tying the family elements together. And it reminded me of Turning Red at the end where you have this daughter character who's trying to break away from the family and just can't get that acceptance. And that uh, really wants to be a part of the family, but wants to also live her own life. And you see that uh, play out at the end with her and her daughter, but also uh, with her and her father too, who remember him from, um, I was like, where's this guy from? I've seen him in something. And I remembered it. It's the Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld. He's the, he's the uh, Seinfeld party of party of three dude. And that the only other actor in that episode is, is that dude, the old guy in this, in this movie. I was like, gosh, wow. But yeah, the whole let me go element of the end, which literally said in the movie is uh, quite poignant. And, you know, like I said, it's a theme we saw in turning red and it's a theme that works. I think always. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that, uh, KH Kwan, who, by the way, I haven't seen since the Goonies pretty much. And he was awesome in this, like really kind of mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Um, it literally has not been in a movie in 25 years. And, and he was he was pretty great in this, but I, I thought I thought that the the delivery that he had on a lot of his lines coming right out of this that sequence with the rocks and her and the the bagel and all this sort of stuff. Imagine listening to just the sentence that that or the sentences we've said just here, like what what are you talking about the bagel? Uh, the I thought it was really great and really touching and and sort of had like great theology to it really. And, and, and then you follow that up with the, the sequence with her and her daughter and Stephanie shoes. Great. And, and I mean, I don't know, dude, I, I, I was, I was wholly impressed by the way that, that this whole thing came together in this, you know, fun, silly, smart, but still silly kind of, kind of multiverse science fiction kind of thing to tie it all up with a, with a really poignant touching family element to it at the end was, was great. That was like a, a very unexpected, Oh, actually I'm going to cry. I didn't see that coming at all. Like this is a, this is a very, very uh, serious moment and, and has a lot of great things to say about parenting. And, and I don't know, it was, it was great, man. I, I thought I was, I was very surprised and, and taken aback by, by how it all closed out. Right. Cause it doesn't need to have anything to say for this to be enjoyable, right? Because sure. I think it does bring enough to the table yeah. and the weird and entertaining side of things. Like if this ended on, uh, everyone has hot dog hands, the end. Like everyone, <laughs> I'd be still probably give this a recommend, but the fact that it took the time to- Oh well, yeah, but that would be for different reasons, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I would prefer that, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's always good when you can end it in a way that, uh, you know, Nice little bow, you know, right off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. So liked yeah. liked that. Um, but man, what a what a ride this was. Very long though, two and a half hours. Could have maybe trimmed that down, but also maybe not. I don't know because I wasn't like bored, but I was just exhausted. <laughs> I wasn't checking the watch, but I was just like, it man, is this lot. is yeah. This there's the amount of editing in this this thing just boggled my mind. I couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't yeah. get over it. It, yeah, so my main totally. takeaway was where, who edited this thing. Oh my right. God, I'm sorry. Usually <laughs> when a right, usually when a movie is a little bit too long, I, I want to at least say here's probably what I would I would cut, you know, or what I would trim back. 
this is one where it's like it's I'm not even saying that it needed to be trimmed. I'm just saying it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Maybe you slow and the and, pace and, down and, a little bit yeah, every now and, and then. And it's it's yeah, it can get you can kind of come away like feeling like, wow, man, I just kind of went through it all. But but I, I I mean that in a good way, but it's it's not going to be one that I'm like can't wait to rewatch that, you know. It was it's it's a lot to 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 deal with. 100% all right, I think I'm ready to grade this one out. How about you guys? Yeah, for sure. I'll give this one a solid A. What about you, Brian? Uh, I'm gonna go A plus. I I, nice. I thought this was a was a pretty daggum great movie, and uh, it's early in the year to be setting like, hey, this could be a top ten contender. But yeah, for sure, it's for sure in that conversation, and um, I think also it's one that's kind of gonna sit with me more than a lot of, of movies that we'll see this year. Like it, I don't know that last, the last, like I said, last 45 minutes, 30, 30, 45 minutes really, really resonated. And I felt like had a lot to say on a lot of different themes and a lot of different levels. And, um, I was very impressed with the way that they were able to, to bring that all together. So a plus for me, what about you, Arby? Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, um, parts of it were so great then it would kind of dip it was kind of long i'm trying to kind of do the equation right now i'm gonna go b plus for now but i'm gonna think about it like you said for weeks so that could go up it's apparently the highest rated movie of all time on letterboxd so i'm pretty mad at myself for not picking this one in the movie draft just for that alone because it was bonus points letterboxd bonus points man i don't know if this one will make a ton of money though how much yeah, did this one cost to make? $25 million and it's no. made eight. Yeah. yeah it's not make much this, this should be proof you could make any any movie for $25 million. Yeah, I like, totally agree. <laughs> this I, should be I, proof. Glad, like, yeah. what did they not do in this movie? Right. Visual effects, multiverses, everything to a, an incredibly high level for $25 million. It can be done. You just have to know what you're doing. I totally agree. I'm glad you said it. There was times where I, in watching this, where I was like, how many movies have we seen lately that cost eighty million to make? And Morbius, one hundred and seventy-five like million to make to that look worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, gosh, yeah, this looks really good for for that budget is is super impressive to, and, and to do a lot of 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 special effects shots. I mean, that's a that's a challenge. The shot man. where they're fighting, they're great, and I'm not sure if it was on a green screen or whatever, but. <laughs> Uh, this is what I wanted more from Tomorrowland, which you kind of got in the trailer of Tomorrowland. Remember that movie where you're basically fading in and out of dimensions, but the person is staying in the frame as they are. There's a fight sequence in this where they're fighting, but like their clothes and the backgrounds are changing as they're fighting. You know, like they're basically shifting in and out of different dimensions as they're fighting. That that is such a simple camera trick, just to change the background and the what the people are wearing, but keep them the exact same in the f- way in the frame, so that your eye can follow the action. And this did, basically perfected that what I had in my brain of what I wanted Tomorrowland to be conceptually, uh, in terms of like how they interpreted the other dimension part of it, and. Such mm-hmm. a simple, easy way to do it, inexpensive, and it just takes like people that can sit down and plan it out and know what they're doing efficiently. And they can, you can do anything for 25 million, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. There needs to be a studio founded on that principle alone. 25 mm-hmm. million is the max. And if you can't do it, 
probably not worth making anyway. See how many movies we can get made and see what they do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here. Weekly recommends. Uh, Richard, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, I've been uh, doing some older uh, espionage movies lately and uh, going back through a bunch of the classics and uh, did uh, Three Days of the Condor. Oh, nice. nice. The great nice. Eric Eric Molnoff classic. No, um, <laughs> our friend the Condor. <laughs> but yeah, it was Sidney Pollack. Um, directed that one and it's 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 kind of got peak redford it's right around that kind of mid-70s parallax view when we're arrow we're getting these kind of political intrigue espionage uh thrillers and uh cool setting cool era of of uh new york that it mostly takes place in um great set design and uh not all 70s films always hold up but this one really does so that's my that's my recommend for a, a good old movie to go through is uh three days of the condor Excellent. Nice. Classic. Nice. Love that era of Redford big time. Super fun. Oh, yeah. Good looking dude, too. Just as an aside. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Brian? I date him. <laughs> Real easy for me. Uh, Better Call Saul final season starts this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I started today. I started a re-binge uh, on, on Netflix. All five seasons are on Netflix now. You will need some kind of cable login to be able to watch the new seasons. It's they're doing the like Breaking Bad thing where they, it's like I think seven or eight episodes starting this week, and then there's like a six or eight week break, and then they'll come back with the other half of the last season. So you don't have to wait to. And I, I'm pretty sure I read that Netflix is going to get the last season like a oh, month oh, after, oh, like pretty close. Or something That's like nice. That. Yeah. So there is that, but you know, if you're able to find a login, that's definitely worth doing. But yeah, Better Call Saul is awesome. I don't know if you guys stuck with it or watched much of it. I know RB, you're kind of TV retired, um, in and out anyway. But um, it for a while, for there was a long stretch where I was like, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. And then I think it was probably the last season. We're like, yeah, this is better than Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is one of the like five best TV shows of all time. I think this is a better show. And last season it's was definitely unreal. a show that I want to watch more than Breaking Bad, if nothing else. Um, and I was like, kind of against it when it Do you think was announced because it just felt like, why? Why are we doing this? Just not necessary. But it has been so good. And Odin Kirk, American Treasure Odin, Bob Odin Kirk is just truly incredible in that role. They do such a great job of surrounding him with incredible actors and great characters. And it is a, I mean, it's just, it's so good. And it's so much fun. It's so much more fun than breaking bad ever was. Um, up until at least until like the last season, at a certain point it starts to become, it starts to creep towards the breaking bad territory where you're like, this is going to be more, it's going to be a lot heavier, but um, man, it's so good. Anyway, so I started the rebinge today, and I'm I'm reminded immediately of how great Odenkirk is and how good this show is, and uh, I hope people will, you know, it hasn't been on the air in like three years, so you kind of forget about it and stuff. But now's the time get back get back in the uh, the Better Call Saul bandwagon. Yeah, that's such a great role for him, and has led to so much. You got to think if he was Michael Scott, he would have never had that. <laughs> opportunity but maybe intellect. steve carell would be saul so yeah. who knows <laughs> man I, I i could buy that steve carell is in nobody you know the michael 
really Michael Scarn, you know, <laughs> ancient Michael Scarn. Do you think it's because they learned their lesson with Breaking Bad and it's like, okay, I mean, we can kind of do this over in a way. We can kind of do a similar show, similar, you know, obviously the same universe. Is that why you like it more? Or is it like Odenkirk being the lead, why you like yeah. it more? It, it's it all comes for me. It all comes down to I'm I'm not somebody who has to have somebody to root for in a show. Um, you know, I always say I think Mad Men is if it's not the best show of all time, it's the second best show of all time. There's no one on that show that you're actually rooting for. They all suck. Like even by the end, like even Peggy is pretty miserable as a person. But like, but still, that is you know maybe the best show I've ever seen, and it's and it's incredible week to week and. Don Draper is a remarkable character, and so is, is, you know, all of them are. All of them are. Um, but I think there's a, when you get the kind of writing and direction that you get with Breaking Bad, and then you combine it with a character that even though you know where this ends up, because if you saw Breaking Bad, you know, you know where Saul Goodman ends up by the end of the show. Even knowing where it's going to end up, you're still rooting for the character and he's so likable even when he's doing like semi despicable things and so i I don't know i think that's a big part of it to me it's just vince gilligan is just an incredible writer for tommy and television writer and and director and whatnot and then this world is really interesting and to put you know to put all that in the hands of somebody who you're like you 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 actually dig and you actually like walter white was like from from episode two you're like this guy sucks i'm gonna watch this show because it's an incredible show and i want to see what happens but he crossed the line from i'm just a teacher trying to make money for my family to i'm a terrible person very very early in that show and and uh jimmy mcgill saul goodman is is a a much more i think likable and um rootable kind of character than uh than Walt than, than Walter ever was. And so you kind of have that going for you, I think. I think that's a big part of it. It's 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 certainly more enjoyable and 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 rewatchable. Like I'll probably watch rewatch Breaking Bad at some point in my life, maybe twice, you know, in the however many years I have left on this earth. Uh but I'm not going to revisit that frequently. Whereas I think this is probably the third or fourth time that I've watched like season one of breaking or excuse me of, of better call Saul through because it's a it's it's a fun show and it's a good background show in addition to being so well written and so um just so high quality across across the board so i yeah. think that's a big part of it for me at least i don't, I don't know if, if i don't know where you guys are at on the show or if you've watched yeah i've seen the, i've seen season one i need to i need to get caught up but i have seen the first i did uh watch the first season uh pretty rare i think i watched it like I started to rewatch it, uh, pandemic, I think. And then, you know, probably got sidetracked for the pod or something, but, um, did start to go back because I knew that the last they had announced it was going to be the last season. So I was like, Oh, I need to, need to start, but I'll get back into it. Um, it's going to be a big test to see if Vince Gilligan can ever do anything outside the universe of, of breaking bad. Yeah. Like yeah, he's, he's obviously a-, a genius because he created breaking bad and it's incredible. And bitter call Saul is incredible. But if he could ever break out of of that and do something else, uh, that'll be the true, it, uh, you know, litmus test for yeah. Uh, and if he can, if he's going to be, you know, David Chase, and it's like, oh, yeah, I did Sopranos, but what else? But uh, 
Right. Or yeah, know. I mean, he has this stuff that he did before I me. Mean, he was a big part of the X Files and some of the later seasons <clears> and stuff. I just, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. At, at at some point, I wonder what does he, you know, what does he go to next? What does he do? But I don't know. I, I think I would bet on it because I, a, I think that he, he sort of broke later in his career. Like he had a, he had a pretty, pretty pretty good resume before breaking bad ever came about and i think had earned some some kind of skins on the wall but also i mean he is by every i mean every time you you hear somebody talk about they always are like this guy's i mean he's a great dude and Mm -hmm. so i think he'll always be able to pull in talent to work with him um which is and a huge, I don't want to keep going back to Mad Men, but like it's a huge issue for for Matt Weiner is nobody wants to work with him because he sucks. <laughs> he's yeah, just kind of a miserable person. I um, mean, who, somebody's gonna pay the heck out of Vince Gilligan's for their next his next project, whatever sure. it is. Yeah, and for sure, I think he's pretty picky too. So yeah. that 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 tends that probably will will bode well for him as well. But yeah. Anyway, Better Call Saul is awesome, and can't you see him just like going back to the well and be like, all right, Jesse Pinkman series. Yeah. Well, he did the yeah. movie. Remember yeah, El Camino? Yeah, I mean, can you yeah. can you just see that though? And yeah, just like I'll just bank on this some, for another There was 10 something years. I saw, yeah, like last week that was talking about. I can't remember. Maybe it was a Gus Fring series, but they they handled Gus really well in, in yeah. Better Call Saul. I don't think we need more. Uh, I don't think he would. There. Like, I think he works so well as an accent character. I don't know if I could do him as the main sure as the main character of the yeah. series i think yeah. honestly a jesse series wouldn't be the worst idea yeah could be I, I mean i hope he goes away and does something different yeah. but but to me but again i said that about this when when better call Saul was announced i was like we do not need this we i and i was i mean i, I wanted vince to, to go do something different because it's like we don't we don't need to return to the well and very quickly in season one, like, no, yeah. no, this is awesome. He had yeah, a great I, would, idea. I rolled my he eyes too when they announced Better Call yeah. Saul. I was like, really? This character's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it was, I was super wrong on that. Yes. Know, so. Same. Well, I'm going to recommend a, a TV show as well that I had been watching and it wrapped up this past week. Have you guys watched Severance yet? Yeah, I finished it tonight. Nice. I'm three episodes in. And every time it's, I love the three episodes I watched. Every time I queued it up, it was like one of those where it's like, I don't have the headspace for this right now compared <laughs> to, you know, turn it on castle or whatever. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. So yeah, I, I intend to do that in the next week or two. Cause I've heard it's incredible down the stretch, man. Uh, so uh, amazing. Great, great series. Uh, it's on the uh, lasso plus if you have that. And Ben Stiller put this thing together. He said he got the script like 10 years ago and had been <laughs> kind of had it in his back pocket or whatever and figured this out. Um, what an amazing concept for a show, for a movie, this whole separate your work life from your home life, like that being the entire premise of the show is extremely interesting and Obviously, they can go a lot of different directions with it, and they go a certain direction with season one. I don't want to spoil it, but I've never seen a show conceptually like this before in terms of the tone of it. It's like sci-fi comedy drama. (laughs) In a way, it's a very odd... Like There were elements of that at Ex Machina where it was borderline comedic, but this is 
like almost a straight comedy. Mm. And it's also extremely heartwarming, but like the production design is just out of this world. It's just incredible. The look of this thing, the cinematography, like every shot of this thing needs to be on our perfect shots channel of our discord. Mm. I've already said that, mm. but yeah. the, uh, the way they transition from their work life to their home life is just like the camera transitions from like a wide angle to a, uh, you know, like a regular 35 lens. And, uh, that's just, just a simple thing. It's just extremely well thought out. And Ben Stiller is just, I love Escape of Danamora and I've loved his directorial work in the past. But like after this, like this guy might be one of the all time greats that we just never knew. <laughs> and he said, I saw him on Seth Meyers this past week. He was talking about this show and he's like, yeah, I, when I was a kid, I just, I always wanted to be a director, but like I was, my parents were two of the most famous actors, actors at the time. So I just like mm-hmm. was kind of fell into that organically and never got to really stretch his legs there. And now he is, and he's great. So that's a going to be amazing to see the Ben Stiller direct directorial career and where that goes. But yeah, the dude yeah, mid- knows it was what the hell the- he's doing, man. Oh my God. This was He had fantastic. so many runs at it. You know, Reality Bites was that thing, but then he kind of did Zoolander, which put him down another uh, route as a director. And then Tropic Thunder mm-hmm. got him big again. And then Mitty fell really flat, even though that, that movie has its credit, but it, it mm-hmm. didn't really. And that kind of killed him for a while. And then Dan Amora. And then this feels like finally he's getting some more momentum as a director instead of just bits and really good stuff, bits and pieces. But I've always heard, I mean, I used to tell people 15, 20 years ago, like, whenever you would hear actors talk about Ben Stiller, they talked about him. I remember Robert Downey in Tropic Thunder talking said he was, he said, I played Charlie Chaplin and Ben Stiller is Charlie Chaplin. Like he mm. has that, that mm. gift of, you know, of all the, uh, you know, of, of true cinematic skills. So, and all those, all those shorts, comedic shorts and things he used to make in the early nineties are so much more cinematic than a lot of other you watch, like, we, comedies. Of, yeah. We talked about sure, uh, sure. in the, on the VIP, we did a th- throwback on the cable guy. I feel like last year or so. Yeah. Ben incredibly well shot way better than it needed to be for a Jim Carrey comedy in the mid nineties, like extremely well done, well thought out and certainly shows a lot of potential there. But now we're seeing the fruits of that love and labor and man, I'm just super excited after seeing this on what his potential is and season two of severance. They've said they're going to do another one. So I think they greenlit that uh, this past week. Uh, but I'd been watching it and I was like, I'll put off finishing it. But then I saw Alan Sepinwall tweeting about the finale and he was like, this is one of the best finales I've seen in a decade. (laughs) He's like, I'm not just saying that. I was like, Oh, maybe I need to finish this thing out this weekend. So I did on Saturday, I finished like the last three all in a row. And I was like, Holy, Holy moly. This thing is uh, something to be reckoned with. And something else. Second best work behind, uh, the music video for All Star by Smash Mouth as a director, I would say. <laughs> Incredible work by John Turturro here. Definitely going to be some Emmy consideration, I would think. And Christopher Walken's great. And I'd never seen Adam Scott really do drama before, but you're seeing these Adam comedians great. like yeah. like Jason Bateman, obviously with Ozark, and right. I mean these guys obviously have potential, but I mean this is like a a great turn for his career to be able to do something like this and still have the comedic elements of it 
uh, but him to be able to lead something like this is yeah. is truly awesome. I was an early Adam Scott adopter. Yeah, you were, yeah. And uh I think I think he's got a I think he's got a lot more range than he has been given the opportunity to to show at this point. I I think he had big little eyes. He's going to have a ridiculous like late phase of his career, you know. Yeah, he had the big little eyes dramatic part, which is pretty right. That's the one he was on, right? Or uh, one of the yeah, big little eyes, yeah. And he's done. He's kind of dabbled in it back and forth. So it's been cool to watch his his uh, career kind of diversify from from kind of more straight comedic acting in the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were dramatic elements of Parks and Rec, obviously too, but not like towards the end some emotional stuff, but like, sure, this is a straight, almost drama. And wow. It just, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but give this thing a go on lasso slash Apple TV plus severance. You'll really enjoy it. All right. There's uh, the weekly recommends and the movie of the week for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Gosh, what a weekend it was. We got Sonic. We had broken arms. We had multiverse severance, man. It was, it was a time. Hmm. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk more movies. Hope you become a VIP and join us for our Bernie episode and also our AMA this week. It'll be a fun time. But until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.